0: I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all their bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. On your mark. We run like this. Get set. We run like this. That's
1: how
0: we...
1: Welcome to now playing Fast and Furious Retrospective Series.
0: It's gonna be an all time of the night. Bet you're gonna enjoy this. Hosted by Arnie.
2: Look, man, I don't just think outside the box. I tear it up. It's my thing. Stuart.
0: You're the last person in the world I expected to
1: show up. And Jacob. Like it or not, you and your friends are a part of it now. I don't have friends. I got family. These podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers, harsh language, and incentive to drive beyond the posted speed limit. I'm gonna enjoy without a Listener discretion is advised. You can only live once. Let's do it. We're talking over base.
3: Nice
2: race. Today, we're discussing the Fast and the Furious.
3: I know who the Furious is in
4: this group of hosts.
2: <laughs> Starring Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, Rick Yoon, directed by Rob Cohen. This is Arnie. You want some ass? Go to Hollywood Boulevard. You want a podcast? You're here at Now Playing.
4: I need Nas. I need Nas. Stewart in L.A this is your sandwich
3: crazy host Jacob
2: well before we get fast and furious about this franchise let's start with a plug in case you didn't hear on our review of Kingsman that we did last week live and then released a couple days later edited we are doing a Kickstarter we are trying to take the transition off the headphones and onto
4: the page I'm really excited about this part. I'm curious why we're talking about great underrated movies in a book and promoting it on Fast and the Furious. The whole concept is we are going to get a 100 reviews from the now-playing hosts that detail movies that slip through the cracks. Either they feature people you know and like, but just didn't get the same attention their movies normally do, or you heard too much negative about it, and we're here to defend it. But it'll be a 100 reviews. At least one person in every review is going to be making that pitch. It's an underrated film.
2: Yeah, it's really 300 reviews in one book of 100 movies, because at now playing three hosts to a podcast, three people will be reviewing each movie. The person who recommends the film is doing the primary review, and then two co-hosts are either going to agree or disagree. But in the end, you will have three ratings and at least one strong recommend coming from the host to put it in the book.
4: But we do need help because books are expensive, it's a dying art, and it's not cheap to put a book together. Even an electronic book costs real money. Artwork. Lawyers. Editors. Yes. So much expense. When, Arnie, you were going line item by line item, I was stunned. So we do need listener support for this, and that's why we've created a Kickstarter campaign with all kinds of incentives to help us reach goals.
2: That's right. And remember, we need to reach our goals for these incentives to pay out. But if we reach those goals, people who have been asking for the Aliens podcast to be released from the vault, you can get it. People who want every podcast we've ever done released from the vault, you can get that. Our final remaining DVD sets, those are there. Have you ever thought about joining us for a review on this show to be put out to all of our listeners? You can do that. We need your support in order to make this happen, and we need more engagement than we get on any donation drive we've ever done. We're hoping that the goal of having a physical item in your hand that you can have from now playing instead of just a downloadable MP3 like we put out for free every week is going to help those of you who sit on the sidelines every donation drive and just listen to our free show to really support us and Again, we didn't put big salaries for ourselves in here. Very honest.
3: You mean I'm not going to retire
2: off this? (laughs) Retire? You're not going to make a month's rent. (laughs) (laughs) We're lucky if we're not paying out of our own pockets before this is all said and done. But yes, in order to do it right, in order to do it legally requires lawyers. That's not cheap. Anyone who's ever had to deal with a lawyer knows that's not cheap. We want to make this a pretty book and not just page after page of text. So we've gotten the illustrator who did our DVD cover to do some art inside the book. Having an editor come in to make sure that we are well written on the page and we're not just going to be basically taking blog articles and selling them to you. We're doing everything we can to make this a really great product for you to read and really bring the quality that hopefully you've come to expect from us. But this is only going on for 30 days. Make or break 30 days. We could have done a 60 day Kickstarter. We're just going 30 days until March 19th to meet our main goal or preferably our stretch goal. Our first stretch goal is really, I think, all of our real goal. We want to have a printed hardcover, gorgeously bound book that everyone can put on their bookshelf. And for that to happen, we need stretch goal number one, because honestly, just the cost of printing those books in China and shipping them here is over $40,000. And we can't afford that. No donation drive we've ever done. If 100% of it went to that, could afford that. We need your help to kickstart this thing. Kickstarter is a great name for what we're trying to do. Help kickstart now playing into the future.
3: Yeah, it's a great way. I think we're all going to be talking about movies that we would never get a chance to do on the podcast. So there's going to be a lot of variety. Arnie, Marjorie, Stuart, and myself each doing 25 main reviews with supplemental reviews. It's a great opportunity to really get to know our taste even more and what we like and what we feel is underrated.
2: A lot of Kickstarter rewards out there. We hope that you'll support us and really make this go. We want to have a 10-second Kickstarter donation like in The Fast and the Furious has a 10-second car. So all the details and the link to our Kickstarter is at our homepage, nowplayingpodcast.com. But now from movies we recommend to the movie we're
4: discussing tonight. Right? Seriously, I was only half (laughs) kidding that I need nitrous oxide. You know, I've been living a privileged life for a while. You know, I think I started working on now playing as the naysayer that had to sit through all these crappy slasher movies and hated it and red arrowed it. And then when you look at the last six months, Christopher Nolan, Maniac Oceans, Richard Linkletter, Lord of the Rings, Dead Zone... I think it was mostly Green Arrows for me. I really did like everything I was watching. And now I think I've hit a speed bump because (laughs) this is so outside the kind of movie I would ever watch. I'm not saying I won't like any of them. Arnie, you assure me that it gets better down the road. But, I mean, if you were going to manufacture something that I never wanted to watch, I think it would look something like this.
3: And I'm kind of there with you, Stuart. Maybe someday I would have watched these when nothing better was available. But I feel like with The Fast and the Furious, I've been promised by Arnie I got to sit through four films I'm not going to like to get to the good stuff. Oddly enough, my brother has told me the same thing, not knowing that you ever told me that Arnie's like, oh, you're not going to like the first four films, but you get to that fifth one. But... the reason I'm even excited, I remember we started talking about doing this a few years ago. I saw that trailer during the Super Bowl for part six. There was a tank. <laughs> there was like a car with this rig to flip other cars on it. I don't know. It reminded me of Mad Max and we're going to get to that later this year. I love that trilogy. And so it's not going to be great art. It's not going to be those letter films, but they look like a lot of fun. At least that part six did. So I, I'm excited to get to part six because that's. The only thing I've ever been excited about when it comes to the Fast and the Furious,
4: and he's not joking. You have talked about that tank for years, <laughs> for years. I don't even remember it. I'm sure I saw the trailer. And I'm like, was there a tank in there? Ah, okay. But the point is, you've waited, right? I haven't seen any of these movies, Jacob. You haven't seen any of these nope. movies. We're both newbies, and
2: I am the fan of this franchise, pedal to the metal. I am the person who's been championing it now. There's a few reasons I've been championing this. This is one of the top-grossing film franchises of all time.
4: What? I know you've quoted that before. I know for Universal, which is, quite frankly, a failing film studio, it's kept them afloat. But really? This is one of the big ones?
2: This franchise has made close to a billion dollars and will certainly exceed a billion dollars with the next installment. And that puts it up there above hunger games it's about the same as star trek and about the same as pirates of the caribbean above it really we have twilight transformers x-men shrek spider-man lord of the rings batman avengers and bond and star wars and harry potter but i mean this is in the upper echelon people are saying why are you reviewing fast and the furious go to box office mojo look at the top franchises of all time Then scratch off the ones we've done, and then look at what's left. We got Fast and Furious, Twilight, and Star Wars.
3: Well, who knows? Maybe this is an underrated gem. Perhaps one of us will write about it in our Kickstarter book. It could be. It does say something that we've had seven of these films. Like, there's got to be something to them. I remember when we did Final Destination, Arnie. I wasn't into that, but that was a franchise for the most part that I ended up really liking. So I do have a little bit of hope with this one.
2: And. I did tell you both that Part 5 is the place where we can hold out hope, because in my mind, Part 5 is where this franchise turns a corner and really becomes something
3: else. It, it basically like most franchises, you gotta get to the fifth part. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, whoever heard of that? The Part 5, the best. Yeah, usually not.
2: I mean, certainly not for Star Trek, but that doesn't mean I think these first four films are under shit we've got to drag ourselves through in order to get to part five. I mean, obviously this franchise was doing something right to get to part five, and I have seen all the films of this franchise, save one, in theaters. I saw The Fast and the Furious in theaters opening weekend.
4: And here I was thinking I knew no one that saw this. I mean, we didn't talk about it then because not only did I not see this movie, I didn't know anyone I thought who did. It just felt like it was for a younger generation or just for people that really like car culture. I mean, it should be said I've had two cars in my life and neither one of them would you uh, want to drag race.
3: You didn't ever drag race a Jetta? (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, I did find this part interesting, and and the only research I did before this viewing was I read the original newspaper article about the truth behind this, about street racing culture. I thought, what makes this interesting to me is that, yeah, these aren't the coolest cars ever invented. They're actually kind of like your grandma's Civic that is Exhibit or somebody pimp the ride, and now it's <laughs> the fastest car on Earth.
3: Yeah, put a 100 Gs of engine in there. Yeah. I came
2: out of this movie, I saw it with a whole bunch of friends, and we were kind of into cars, and I was not the most into cars as the others. I've prided myself on my ride, and Stuart has gripped the arms of his bucket seat furiously as I've made
4: some maneuvers that he didn't deem safe. Let me just (laughs) add my favorite thing you've ever said, Arnie, is why do they put these here as you hit the 10th speed bump? He had no idea. They were like, they hurt. I'm like, yes, when you hit it at 70 miles an hour, they really do. I'll pull my pelvis out of my face one day.
2: I was being facetious. I knew why they were there. I might have been getting a little bit of air on them, though. So I took them as a challenge more than as a <laughs> deterrent. I was being funny, but I was still driving over them at a rate that my shock absorbers may not have appreciated. Yes, but- I left and I was making fun of these cars because I thought if you wanted to race, you bought a Ferrari, you bought a Lamborghini, you bought a Corvette, and that they were driving Civics and Sentras. And one of my friends who really got into pimping his own ride and for all I know might have been drag racing on the side was like, no, that's what you want. What's in there, none of it's from the factory. You want a light fiberglass body. You don't want a steel American made car because that's going to slow you down. That's extra weight. You take one of those cars and I really became steeped in this thanks to the copious Blu-ray features. <laughs> I mean, there were entire features on the history of drag race culture and truthfully, this is an attainable thing by most teenagers that you can just take your mom's center or your mom's Civic and for as little as $10,000 you can pimp that ride to a car that can start competing in these races.
4: Or you could write a book for not playing. <laughs> talk about
3: perspective. Or donate so we can write
4: the book. <laughs> there you go. Why put your life at risk? I mean, follow the uh, PSA that's on the DVD I saw.
2: Ooh, That was a little unfortunate. I think we should Oof. just talk about this right at the beginning because – There will be some uncomfortable moments such as when I'm going through the bonus features and there's a public service announcement from Paul Walker telling the entire audience what I just hope he was telling the driver of the car he died in that these stunts were done on a closed set by professionals who've been trained in this.
4: Be smart, drive safe, stay legal. Ugh, it's painful. You know, it's so darkly ironic. I couldn't even laugh. I choked. I think I literally choked when I saw this. It's just how awful that this is the introduction to the franchise. You know, the only thing I knew, I don't think I'd seen Paul Walker in anything other than a movie called Joyride. And yes hearing that he had died in a joyride that I don't know even know the details. There was so much misinformation that came out. What are the facts? I know that he burned up in a car speeding, right? Here are
2: the facts as reported, compiled by Wiki. And what makes it the worst, it was at a charity event for his charity. He'd left filming the current movie to go to a charity event to bring in money for kids. But he was the passenger in a really souped-up, very hard-to-drive automobile. The driver got it up well over 100 miles an hour.
3: And I'm just going to say, I know the area where this accident happened. It's in the town that I grew up in. My parents still live there. It blows my mind they were able to get it up that fast. I mean, it's an industrial area, not a place you want to be drag racing around.
2: And they weren't drag racing. They had security camera footage. There were no signs of any car they were racing against. They were just either showboating or the driver was wanting to see what the car could do. Lost control of the car and it's believed both were killed instantly upon collision. And that's going to make this franchise a little bit difficult because we're going to be dealing with Paul Walker. And yeah, it's a true irony that we're going to be discussing a movie in which The toughest character's big fear is seeing his father die in a car wreck and Paul Walker died in a car wreck, father of a young child. We're going to try to avoid the most tasteless of jokes. I'm not going to promise to avoid all the jokes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we still got to review Paul Walker, his performance. We we can't let up on him. I mean,
4: yeah, we're not going to be completely sympathetic. But yes, I agree. If you're easily offended, don't listen to a single blooper. No, or perhaps to
2: the main body of the show.
4: <laughs> well, yes. Paul Walker. This is my introduction not only to the franchise, but I think to him, other than that Joyride One, which I only remember for Steve Zahn, I didn't know who this guy was, other than a guy that died too young in driving a Fast and Furious vehicle. People talk about him
2: like he was some teen heartthrob, and I had seen a bunch of movies he was in. Varsity Blues, She's All That pleasantville and the movie that got him this job the skulls i'd seen all of those when they were new films
3: wow i've seen most of those i didn't realize he was in them
2: (laughs) yeah he was a supporting actor in a lot of them but he made no impression on me but he did make an impression on rob cohen this film's director he also directed the skulls and when rob cohen was given this film he went to paul walker and said how would you like to come with me to my next movie you get to play a cop and
4: drive cars Rob Cohen, a director I'm not familiar with, but he has a track record for making little genre blockbusters. I mean, he did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story.
2: One of the movies I love that I'm reviewing in our Kickstarter book, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story.
4: Will Heart be in there too? He also made that shit with Sean Connery talking as a fire-breathing dragon. Nope, nope, that's not in there. <laughs> the Bruce <laughs> Lee story, yeah. Uh,
2: the rest of Rob Cohen's oeuvre? Not so much, although I imagine someday we might get to the mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor.
4: Triple X? Or maybe we'll do that J-Lo retrospective I'm dying for. He did just direct that thing about uh, Boy Next Door, where she's the MILF that the kid wants to take the cookies from.
2: I have not even heard of this, and I'm happy to not have heard of this.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's great,
3: let me tell you. I've seen the billboard for it, that's about it. Mm. But yeah, this movie
2: came about because of a newspaper article about street racers and rob cohen was given the idea worked with some screenwriters he readily admits he threw in a bit of donnie brasco a little bit of point break and whoa, whoa
4: a little bit <laughs> and we'll get there i guess well arnie you love it so much you get to drive the plot
2: L.A. area truckers are under siege from a group of tricked-out Honda Civics that perform daring maneuvers while hijacking semis full of electronics and other valuable
3: goods. Whoa, whoa, come on, let's, let's be honest, DVD players.
4: <laughs> i got to believe there was more than that. <laughs> I'm starting the laughter of derision right now. I don't know when I'll stop. Give me the Nas! If we gave you the Nas, you'd
2: recommend this film. <laughs> The FBI is investigating, and they send LAPD officer Brian O'Connor, played by Paul Walker, to go undercover and infiltrate the street racing community. Taking the identity of Brian Earl Spilner, he enters a drag race, and though he loses, he comes in the good graces of Dominic Toretto, played by Vin Diesel. Dom is the king of the streets. He has the fastest car, and he hits the hardest. He's head of a racing gang that includes Dom's sister Mia, played by Jordana Brewster, Dom's girlfriend, Letty, played by Michelle Rodriguez, ADD-addled mechanic, Jesse, bland Leon, and meathead, Vince, who never fully trusts Brian, partially because Vince is after Mia, who now only has eyes for the undercover officer. But as Brian Sarge puts it, the officer goes native. He starts to consider these racers as friends and sleeps with Mia. Brian is convinced these thefts are done either by Hispanic racer Hector or Asian mobster and racer Johnny Tran. But the truth is, spoiler alert, Dom's crew are the ones hijacking the semi-trucks. It all starts to unravel at race wars, organized drag races. Jesse races against Johnny Tran and loses, and rather than give up the pink slip to his father's car, Jesse runs away, leaving Dom's crew one man down for their big heist. They continue to try to hijack the semi, but the trucker is ready with a shotgun, and Vince ends up dangling from the big rig with a cord dangled around his arm. But his identity exposed, Brian comes and saves Vince from death. Brian then tries to arrest Dom, but they're interrupted by Johnny Tran, who tries to kill them all in a drive-by shooting. Only Jesse is killed, so Dom and Brian team up to catch Tran and his goon. The Asians taken out, Dom and Brian again race, this time the stakes are Dom's freedom. The race almost ends in disaster as they cross the train tracks of an oncoming locomotive... But that narrow miss still turns into tragedy as Dom takes his eyes off the road and flips his late father's superpowered charger. Defeated, Dom is ready to be taken into custody, but Brian gives the man the keys to his own undamaged vehicle. Dom flees, and Brian walks towards the camera to next week's sequel, as credits roll. So, I said I saw this in theaters, and I will admit I went in with the lowest of expectations. This was the third in a row of car race movies that I went to in theaters really hoping for a great time. The first was Gone in 60
3: Seconds. A Nick Cage film.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was when Nick Cage still was on his high, right? I mean, we were only a couple years out from leaving Las Vegas. Con Air, a little bit of a quirky performance. Love that movie, though. And then Angelina Jolie, you get those two together with Giovanna Ribisi. How could it not be cinema gold? But it wasn't. And the next, Driven, Sylvester Stallone, right? Oh, God, that movie sucked. (laughs) Oh.
4: (laughs) What could go wrong? You know, this is just not my genre. I think I can count on one hand the racing films that I've seen. Days of Thunder, does that count?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're talking 15 years before this movie, but yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it was one of his big hits. I think they all thought it would be Top Gun, and it ended up being, I think, a modest success, and mostly on Tom Cruise's name, when that meant something. Well, yeah, you know, every now and then I see a car-based movie, the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling, or... Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know if these really count as the same thing exactly, but they are L.A. movies about gangsters that drive fast cars.
3: I said it when we did Speed Racer, for those who donated for that podcast. If I'm going to see a car movie, I don't care about the cars. I want a story. That's my draw. I'm not a car person. So, yeah, before Speed Racer, I think the last car film I saw was Days of Thunder. And, you know, Drive... Great film. I wouldn't really call it a racing film, though.
4: No, if you like the smell of like exhaust, that that movie's for you. It's all about the atmosphere. Really, no one drives that fast. And I'm not necessarily
2: a car movie guy. I'm not really a big fan of Herbie.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Is that a car? Is that the car genre? Is it?
2: (laughs) I, I do like Christine, which we'll eventually get to as part of our Stephen King retrospective. But primarily, I think I grew up with a love of racing stuff from TV. Growing up watching Dukes of Hazard and, more importantly, Knight Rider. I mean, that with the turbo boost and the car doing the jumps every week. I grew up watching action-adventure stories that involved fast cars and car chases at the end.
4: And it's no accident that Gary Scott Thomas, the creator of Knight Rider, is credited with this screenplay. Yeah, and
2: I really feel this feels like a Knight Rider episode in many degrees, down to the Nas being an example of the turbo boost. There's no talking cars, but there are cars that do so much you almost think they should talk. The difference is this isn't sci-fi. This is truly based in reality. It may be a bit fantastical, but when they're talking about a 10-second car, I didn't know what they meant. But they're talking about a car that can go from a standstill and cover a quarter of a mile in 10 seconds or less. That means that car is going above 180 miles an hour in less than 10 seconds. That's incredible. That's real life. That's what they're capturing in this movie.
3: In a Honda Civic, no less. Like That is the thing. Like I knew growing up out here in LA, it seemed like more of an Asian culture thing. These pipped out Hondas, these cars that just seemed ridiculous. You know, you think the big muscle cars, but no, I mean, I get that that is a real thing and all the nitrous. And I don't know how many people like Paul Walker in this film are hooking up two computers to run their nitrous system. But yeah, I know that this is kind of based in reality, at least. I'll give it that much.
4: Yeah, I thought that was part of the charm here. And I'm going to ask, as we get into the movie, why this couldn't have been even more realistic. Basically, you got the story of Rebel Without a Cause here, but before we get to that, they also got to do Italian job. I mean, the fact that they throw in this crime ring heist on top of this street riding gang stuff feels like a little bit of an excess. I think I would have been fine if this were just the story about a guy who wanted to get a girl by driving a fast car in street races. And that's what I thought we
3: were getting. I thought this was going to be rival racing gangs. I'm shocked when we get to this opening and it's a crime film it's a heist film they got harpoons and civics ripping off semi trucks
2: <laughs> here's the really funny thing is no, I'm... that's the really funny thing <laughs> harpoons i watched this movie i've probably seen it a half dozen or more times before even covering it for now playing i watched it three times through thanks to some you've control commentaries and whatnot for this and here i am thinking you know if this was just a movie about racing, Stuart and Jacob wouldn't be on board. But this is a crime
4: film. There's a chance <laughs> <laughs> But Arnie, the crime! The crime! They are stealing DVD players and not even flat-screen TVs. These are electronics. It's t- To be fair, it's 2001. Yeah. I
3: guess DVDs were big then.
2: DVD players were 250 and up, and flat-screen TVs just were barely even on the market. In 2005, I still bought a CRT. So, you can't judge this movie because it's 14 years old now and they're stealing obsolete technology.
4: No, I can judge judge any crime syndicate that attacks consumer products on this level i mean if it were a real crime gang i mean we're gonna find out that the people stealing this are doing it so they can get money for their fast car parts is that what they're doing it for yes if you want to steal something how about stealing the fast car parts and that way you don't (laughs) have to look like an idiot heisting a fucking three hundred dollar tv set
3: They also show them making, like, 10 Gs off these races. Like, they're making a lot of money in a single race. I get it. They're going to lose sometimes. But furthermore, it looks like they got an inside guy. There's a guy at the docks. Like, the truck's just been loaded. Why not just go rob the stuff at the docks when it's not driving?
4: (laughs) There is so many whys to this. The only reason why you would rip them off this way is because you want it to look very kinetic and get the audience excited about fast cars.
2: And tell me it doesn't. In this opening scene, one of the cars drives under the semi. That is freaking dangerous. These are real stunts being performed with real cars, and it is absolutely engaging me and bringing me into this movie. I'm not thinking about these logistic questions you guys are bringing up, because I'm having too much fun watching them harpoon the truck.
4: No, I'll give you this. The highest compliment I'll give this movie is all the stunt work and most of the racing work when they're not doing rear projection with the real actors that's obviously on the sound stage. It looks authentic, and some of it is exciting. I mean, again, I'm not this guy, but my criteria for this movie is A, are the stunts and the action good, and B, and this is important, is there anything more to it than that? It needs to have both to get a green arrow from me but it definitely has the first and as far as
3: this opening goes for me look when we get to mad max one of the big thrills for me is those are just real stunts being done there those are real people just flipping cars and crashing them into each other i want to be excited and adrenalized by this opening heist like i feel if you're opening with it it's got to be exciting yeah it's kind of cool when a car drives under the semi but it didn't wow me it didn't win me over and get me excited
2: i was excited by this and i do think that it helps me, I am not a NASCAR guy. I do not watch NASCAR, I do not go to stock car races. Unless you're putting me behind the wheel of one of those cars, I have no interest in sitting there and watching them go. Instantly, that this is a crime film, yes, because it's a crime involving fast cars, I am instantly thinking Knight Rider without realizing the screenwriter was involved in that. But it's giving me an in as somebody who enjoys mystery films and crime dramas who's doing the heist all right there's not a whole lot of question that is vin diesel right
4: no you do not understand i was screaming there's no way they would make vin diesel look like this kind of chump there's no <laughs> way that vin diesel would shoot a harpoon in and trank a guy and go through all this acrobatics to get a tv dvd combo there's just <laughs> no way he they would make him look as stupid i think it was actually a vhs tv <laughs> but I wasn't thinking about it the opposite way and the way that that makes it obvious now they're not going to make an anti-hero like Vin Diesel be too bad they're not going to make his crime that he's stealing drugs or guns or anything controversial they want to make it seem like this is teenage mutant ninja turtles i mean wasn't what that what the foot clan stole (laughs) (laughs) yes you're equating with the foot clan it is this is that kind of movie it's it's like one year older teenage mutant ninja turtles
3: i do agree it's going for a crowd slightly older than the teenage mutant ninja turtles crowd which i'm much older by this point (laughs) But I'm not surprised that it was Vin Diesel. I don't know. That seemed obvious. He's got the full gang. He's got all the people there. You know, we see Johnny Tran and Hector, and they want us to believe it's them for a little bit. But, yeah, there's no question that this is Vin Diesel running the show.
2: Yeah, I mean, the cars are driven way too well, and he is shown to be the best driver here. So I don't think that there's much surprise that it is Vin Diesel. And I should bring out, this is our third time dealing with Vin. Jacob, you, I, Brock reviewed the Pitch Black series. And then, of course, I am Groot.
4: Oh, that was him, <laughs> huh? I don't think about Vin Diesel much. I don't see many of his movies. I think the only one I've seen is Saving Private Ryan. I-
2: yeah, That's not one of his movies. <laughs> no, yeah.
4: It, it, the problem is, is that they've sold the guy as the next Schwarzenegger, which is like selling me the next arsenic. I don't- I don't <laughs> want that. But I do think he's probably a better actor. I mean, I know he's tried to step out the box. He did some kind of Sydney LeMay courtroom drama, Find Me Guilty or something. I think he's tried to show that he has range as an actor, and I welcome that. I'm I, he is a better actor than Schwarzenegger. I'll give him that. But the idea that we're going to just get some muscle head as the hero of this movie, I don't care about that.
3: He is someone that has surprised me like The Rock. Not as much as The Rock. I can't believe, like, when I saw Pain Again, Gain, a film I didn't necessarily enjoy that much, The Rock blew me away with his acting in there. Just not something I expect. And I kind of feel, I feel, I feel you, Vin. I feel you have a great role in you. Like, there are, I there are things that I like about this film and they mostly have to do with Vin Diesel's performance. It's a dumb role, but I think he does the most that he can with it.
2: I love that they try to sell him like The Godfather. When we're first introduced to Vin Diesel, he's like in a room. They won't even show us his face. He, we're just seeing him from the back through like chicken wire, and finally when he comes out, he comes out punching. I mean, the way he is introduced in this film, not counting if he was if Vin Diesel was even on set for that opening heist, is actually really a great entry for a new character.
4: Uh great. I'm not going to use that word too often here. It it sets him up as a threatening presence for the real star of this movie. I didn't realize Vin Diesel wasn't the star of this franchise. It's Paul Walker's show. Yeah. And he is, as I put in the plot
2: summary, an undercover officer. And Because I saw this movie in theaters, I think the trailers might have even revealed he was an undercover officer. I can't remember that, but I can't watch this movie's first act and not know, but they keep that as a secret that he's undercover. Did you guys realize he was a cop and not just a wannabe racer?
3: Biggest shock. More of a shock than this was a heist film, that he was an undercover cop. Shocked me because now this has become Point Break with cars instead of surfboards, and that's... Point Break's a high bar for me. Like, if you're going to try to remake that, to a secret remake, that's some balls you got.
4: Well, they are actually remaking Point Break. I know. <laughs> so they got balls, or at least they're desperate. I don't know that it requires testicles to uh, cash something in. but uh... I actually tried to get Point Break as the
2: review we did right before this, because I really feel in order to review this movie, we have to review Point Break, another movie I love. Stuart, for some reason, insisted we do fucking Boyhood, but I was all about
4: Point Break. <laughs> Oh, now he doesn't want to see Boyhood after he saw it.
3: I'm, I'm just going to say, yeah, I know they're doing a remake of Point Break, but this this is like what A Fistful of Dollars was to Yojimbo, where like, they straight up plagiarize another film and don't give it any credit. Like this, I'm surprised there's not a lawsuit over this film.
4: Well, I will say this. Here's a a fantastic experiment that I tried, and it's true. Close your eyes, and you will hear Keanu Reeves in everything that Paul Walker says. He has the exact same intonations in his voice. I wish this
3: was Keanu. I'm sorry, Paul Walker. Man, I hope he gets better as these films go along, but this is kind of embarrassing, his acting.
4: He's not as good as Keanu? Ouch. Yeah, exactly. He is as good as Keanu. How about that? That's faint (laughs) praise. That's not praise. That's damnation.
2: And he's not as good as Keanu was in Point Break. I think Keanu in the 80s, Parenthood, Point Break, Bill and Ted, was a much better actor than Keanu after the 90s and in the 90s. But I love Point Break and that this is basically that same story of the undercover officer who befriends the person who's the criminal mastermind. I actually like it. I really do. You say they should sue... I say, hey, I'm happy to see a derivative Point Break story that is almost as good as the original.
3: I don't know how you could say you like Point Break when this is almost as good as the original.
2: Because I'm the fan of the Fast and the Furious. I don't see how you see that big of a difference. The difference is one is surfing, one is racing. But beyond that, they're the same movie, and this is just a more modern take on it with a more thumping soundtrack, which, of course, I love.
3: Oh, the soundtrack... Uh Talk about feeling old and needing a cane, like too much bass, too loud, too much Limp biscuit. I wanted to turn it down. Like, I I get it. If you're into these cars, you want the bass and all that, but this soundtrack turned me off.
2: Oh, turn it down. I turned it up and kicked both my subs to max. (laughs)
4: Of course you did. Yes. I mean, yeah, what we're dealing with are questions of taste. And yes, everything this movie is throwing at me is something that I don't want here at the beginning. But my green arrow won't be whether I like this movie. It'll be whether I think it's well made. and. For the get-go, for where they're starting off here, I can recognize that it would be very exciting to see the culture presented in this way. I think I liked Paul Walker a lot better when I thought he was going to emulate James Dean and Rebel Without a Cause than when I found out that, yes, he is Keanu Reeves in Point Break. You ask, did we know the secret? I didn't know he was an undercover cop. I didn't think he was smart enough to be an undercover cop. (laughs) (laughs) He really isn't. (laughs) I thought this movie was going to be about a young kid proving himself and getting a girl by being a great street racer. I thought casting Paul Walker, he's got that James Dean look about him. I thought that's why they went with the blonde white guy.
2: Again, I didn't know him. To me, coming into this movie... Vin Diesel was the star because of Pitch Black, which had come out a couple years earlier. So that he is our main point of view character. Honestly, when Vin Diesel isn't on frame, I'm a little bit less interested in this movie.
3: Again, he's the strongest performer here.
4: Literally. I mean, he could pinch more.
3: (laughs) I don't know, Ted Levine kind of fascinates me in this film. I don't think he's a better actor, but that dude just fascinates me.
2: Oh, I love Ted Levine. He's basically playing the same role here that he was around the same time on Monk as the police lieutenant, the grumpy police sergeant. But yeah, that he's in this was a nice mind blow. He was also in Joyride, wasn't he?
4: He was the killer trucker. That is yeah. true. <laughs> Rusty Nail, I believe, was the name. <laughs> the, ha- the Handle.
2: You never see him, but that voice, I mean.
4: Yeah. Put the lotion in the basket, <laughs> motherfucker.
2: But I can't say he's the toughest one here. I like Dom's crew, specifically his main girl, Letty, played by Michelle Rodriguez. She really broke out big in the early 2000s. She had Resident Evil. She had this film. She'd be on Lost very soon. SWAT. I mean, her big thing was Girl Fight, where she started. This was her follow-up. And- I really like her in this time. I mean, she's tough, she's sexy, she's funny. Funny?
3: Yeah, absolutely. When she says, bend over, big boy?
2: Or, back off before I put tread marks on your face? Yeah, I think she's funny. You want to ask? Go to Hollywood Boulevard. She's so self-assured, and she gets some great one-liners in here.
3: I smell... ganks. (laughs) ganks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm laughing at a lot of these lines. I don't know if they're actually funny, though. <laughs> I thought they were
2: intentional comedy.
4: Yeah, I would not call her a comedian. This is not a hilarious... You keep using the word great. Um. Okay. I won't use it about the rest of the gang, but
2: Dom and Letty, they're what I want to see on here, and they're giving me what I want out of this movie. Great. Yeah. The rest of the gang, eh, not so much. I didn't really... No Jordana Brewster. I'd seen the faculty. Didn't remember her in it.
4: Checked his chainsaw at the beginning. She's the star. Yeah. Good.
2: Great. <laughs> you can hear that <laughs> review in the archives. Yeah. And then the rest of them, I mean, I honestly think there's one person too many. Leon. What's Leon doing here?
4: (laughs) Yeah, what does he do? No, he does. He has one function. He's the lookout guy because it's too hard for them to be, you know, straddling a rope to a semi. They need someone on the police scanner. So he's the one that says go when they're street racing. And he's the one that says run, everyone. It's the cops. That's what he does. He's a horror, basically.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then they got Jesse, who I kind of enjoy the performance we get here from Chad Lindbergh. I mean, he kind of remind me of Giovanni Riabisi from Gone in 60 Seconds. I
4: was just going to ask, is the reason why it's not Giovanni Riabisi is because he was in that other racing movie?
2: <laughs> it really feels like the role that was tailored for him and they cast a lookalike.
4: Yeah, again, these are broad strokes. Nothing about this is genius. Rob Cohen works in B-movie pictures, and this is everything you've seen before thrown together and done really fast. I mean, nothing about this is original, but it is competently photographed, and they're all recognizable (laughs) types that people obviously enjoy because they keep popping up in movies. The one who really kind of
2: matters is Vince, who's another actor I don't really know, Matt Schultz. He was in Blade. I don't remember him in Blade. He was in Blade too. You're right. I think we actually called him out back when we reviewed Blade. And I said, oh, it's the guy from The Fast and the Furious. But it's been so many years since Blade, I didn't remember him until I IMDb'd him. But he's the one who is actually the smartest of the gang because he knows not to trust Brian.
4: Well, here's the thing. I thought this was the obvious culprit. I thought that, aha, there's one dissenter among this gang. Everyone else comes around pretty quickly that the blonde white guy should be their friend. He helps Vin Diesel get away from a street race, and he, you know, he seems admirable. He put his car on the line, and it was a cool car, and everyone has fallen for him. Mia particularly, literally, has fallen for him. But this Vince guy, he doesn't like the guy. He's jealous because probably Mia does like him and he likes Mia. But also, yeah, he can smell a rat. I also think it's because he thinks this guy will figure out that behind Vin Diesel's back, he is ripping off this electronic stuff. I thought he was the only one in on the crime plot.
2: Now, because I'd seen Point Break, I knew it was Vin. (laughs) I mean, and this was the crew. Because, again, I said they introduced Vin like the Godfather. I see this as a crime family. And that's something that they cut out of this film. There's a deleted scene that I think would have really added a lot to this movie. We're going to get it later. But... This is a surrogate family. These people do love each other. They treat each other like family. And what Dom is doing is basically bringing in a new little brother to the family. And there's some sibling rivalry going on. But Vin is the father. Mia is really the mother, even though it's a sister, because those two are the head and the rest are the children keeping in line and you wouldn't have just one of them out there, especially since there's multiple cars involved in this robbery. I knew it was Vin.
3: I think that would have helped me. I just saw them as a gang. They race cars They steal this stuff. I, I, You know, for me to really get into this film, I wanted more characterization. I wanted, you know, we'll get a speech. We'll get a monologue from Vin Diesel later on about why he's into racing and only lives his life 10 seconds at a time. But I would have felt better if he was Patrick Swayze and he was like this Zen Buddhist surfer. Like, there's more character to him. As it's shown in this film, they're just kind of a gang and... Doing gang stuff.
4: No! You keep using that word, but Mia very specifically on her date says they're not a gang, they're a team. That scene is so ridiculous. How is that any different? All right, so she's on a date with Paul Walker. He's, of course, trying to pick her brain for information because he's got to report it to his higher-ups. And she's like, oh, it's a long story. I couldn't tell you how all these people came together. It's like, I got time. (laughs) So she's like, well, yeah, basically, they knew each other from high school, and then two of them showed up. (laughs) I'm like, that's a long story? Okay. That tells me nothing. Yeah,
2: I do like the relationship between these guys. You better hope you like them because Vin and Paul aren't the only ones who are going to be coming back in the future sequels. Maybe not in part two, maybe not in part three, but soon and for the rest of the franchise. But all right. If you're not into the people, what about the races? Because that opening heist is a tease. When it really comes through is when Brian is first trying to integrate himself in the racing community. He's got this kick ass green car. He's there for the first race. Vin
4: Diesel is there, as is Ja Rule. (laughs) Ja Rule! Oh, my God. I knew I was back in 2001 when I see Ja Rule walking in here. Oh, my God. Do you remember that wonderful era of R&B where Ashanti <laughs> could be singing this smooth song, so luscious, and then, you know, here comes Ja Rule and is out of tune screaming, the least romantic man, to totally kill the mood Here is that whole breed of, like, I'm going to shout at you, bitch, until you suck my Cock, and this is the love song, you know? <laughs> Mystical, DMX, Yin Yang Twins. I own them all. <laughs> that is my
3: question. I know Ludacris is going to show up at some point. Are we going to get a different rapper? Is Exhibit going to pin some rides at some point later on in these films? No,
2: I was surprised it was Ja Rule. I knew Ludacris comes in later. I honestly thought Luda might be in this one. It turned out it was Ja Rule. I love Ja Rule's subplot. I mean, he has a little subplot where he's racing because his girlfriend says, no matter what, you have me. But if you win, you have her too. And he's like, come
4: on, Minaj!
2: Minaj! I Minaj! Mean- it was
4: just like one of his songs. I mean, I, I thought he was going to interrupt Ashanti. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what he does. He screams about sex. Uh, it's it's charming in its own way. I mean, you're asking me how do I feel about the scene? I feel like this is where the movie hitting its stride. This is what the movie I thought I was getting after reading that article. Here's a whole subculture you didn't know about that suddenly turns regular streets into spray-painted race lines where pizza delivery guys are cut off. And <laughs> That was the director, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, I thought this was cool. I mean, I thought this was a good way to show you that there is a subculture out there that you may not know about doing really radical things. And
3: I, I guess I'm having fun during the scene before the racing starts, yeah, I I guess I kind of like to see the culture coming together here, and I'm again I'm finding a lot of these lines f- unintentionally funny. Oh my god, you called out the pizza boy. Streets closed, pizza boy, find another way home. Like I'm laughing a lot at this film, at the film. I want to stress that at it, not with it. But yeah, I you know when everyone's coming together, this is the film I thought I was going to get, and then this race starts. This is all about 10-second races, and this street race, they try to stylize it. It drags on for me. I wanted it to feel fast and furious. Weird green screen stuff going on. I thought, oh, they're ripping off Speed Racer, but Speed Racer came out after this. Yeah, Speed Racer
2: ripped them off. I don't know about that. (laughs) I really feel this movie is ripping off to a minor degree. Well, I was going to say the Matrix, but they may actually be one step more derivative. They may be emulating the car ads that were emulating the Matrix around this time. (laughs) But what I didn't realize in this race, because this race is more than 10 seconds by far, is that what we're supposed to be seeing is a 10 second race from the driver's point of view where that 10 seconds feels stretched out into an nth degree. I like some of the stylized things, though. When Paul Walker's driving and everything outside starts to get stretchy, they said in the commentary that they wanted it to be like Star Wars jumping to hyperspace. And I didn't make that reference, but that's the feeling I was getting is entering another plane. And that's I like that it was stylized. I like that they went a little bit surreal With that, if they're going to do green screen, and it's obvious that these drivers aren't driving these cars. There are real cars racing, and we see those in the exterior shots. Anytime we see the drivers, they're perfectly safe on a sound stage. If they're going to do that, then do something speed racery with it. And I'm glad they did.
4: Well, you know, not my thing. Can't get excited about it. I tend to like action scenes that feature real stunts and and real vehicles and all that. So there is a lot of fakery here in this moment, where they're like, the camera is moving through the car so you can see the engine sparking, you can see the Nas igniting, and his passenger seat like fell out or something, like his car almost comes un glued in this 10 seconds.
3: Yeah, he like blows the chassis or something.
4: It's in disrepair when he comes in second here, but somehow he still has a passenger seat to rescue Vin's ass when the cops come.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's how he gets in Vin's good graces. I think just the floorboards fell out is what happened. And I was surprised the car ran because the engine was smoking after he double doses down on the Nas and they were talking about the $15,000 in repair, but he could still outrun the cops.
3: Yeah, I I was just wondering how, if this was supposed to be 10 seconds, how he was doing commands on two laptops to run his NAS.
2: Yeah, you don't look away from the road at that speed. I was told that these cars, they don't have speedometers because if the drivers knew how fast they were going, they wouldn't. And they don't have rear view mirrors because you can't take your eyes off what's in front of you for a fraction of a second or you're dead. You certainly don't turn and start punching commands into a computer.
4: Well, you know what? I'm not asking for realism. I don't know about this subculture. I'm not really into this subculture. I'm going to take this as a B-movie. This is very cheesy stuff. You said cheesy lines? Oh my god. Ja Rule is not how you stand by a car, it's how you drive it. I mean, whether you're laughing with it or at it, there is a certain level of giddiness to this scene. And I think, yeah, I'm into this movie as much as I'm going to be, and I'm enjoying it well enough.
2: That said... While I was also smirking at the Ja Rule lines, I felt I was smirking with it.
4: With it? Yes. You think that was a line to quote? That felt like a leftover from like Roadhouse or something. I mean, that's a bad line. I like Roadhouse too. Don't disrespect Roadhouse like that. (laughs) We're going to bring up Patrick Swayze's all his movies in this review tonight. Later on, when Paul Walker holds up Vin Diesel in that
2: dance
3: move, it's totally dirty dancing. (laughs) Just wait until we get to Donnie Darko.
2: (laughs) But... No, at the end of this, when Brian gets out of his car, and he's like giddy, and he's like, I almost had you. I love Vin Diesel's speech. That is his star-making moment in this film, when he's like, you never had me, you never had your car. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. I love that speech, and it, I'm not ironic about it. It's a good speech, and all the people there, the vibe of that scene it's a cool scene,
4: really, huh? And
3: you know, oh, and that's what I'm giving Vin Diesel credit for. He takes some really awkward lines and speeches that could be bad, and he, he delivers them well. Like he's still able to maintain a tough physique while saying some of these corny lines. Like I feel like he is a menace throughout this film, as silly as I think a lot of this stuff is. That doesn't go away. He's able to sell that menace. I mean, even in the Riddick films where they didn't over really impress me, he was still able to come off as menacing. I, I that's what works for Vin Diesel.
4: Sorry, I, I can't express any enthusiasm for this performance. I didn't even have an opinion about that speech. I didn't even recognize it as a speech.
2: Oh no, it's it's honestly the high point of the movie for me that doesn't involve being behind a wheel is that speech. Wow. Okay. And the more I watch this movie for this review, the more I just came to enjoy the nuances of his performance Nuance. in that speech. The way he wasn't even talking <laughs> to him. Nuance.
4: I mean, these words you're He using. wasn't
2: even talking to Brian. He was talking to the people around him, all the extras getting engaged. It was not just him chastising Brian. It was the culture chastising Brian. It was a hazing. They recognized he did pretty freaking good. He had a nice car. He was being welcomed into their society, but they had to haze him and give him some crap, too. It's a really good scene that... Keeps me going for the next half hour of this film, because pretty soon after that, we're introduced to Johnny Tran, who's shooting up the car. Now we're in a police drama. We're not going to see a race for quite a while.
4: Anytime this movie wants to have us think about who the culprits could be or anything about the heist, I think it's at a disadvantage. Johnny Tran is here because we need to believe that there's someone other than Vin Diesel ripping off these electronic goods.
3: And I'm just confused when, like, a triad gang shows up <laughs> riding motorcycles and pulling out machine guns and shooting up these cars. Like, I don't even know. I, like, I thought I was in a heist film. I was expecting just a car racing film. Now, I don't know if this is Lethal Weapon or what this is.
4: How Hollywood that this came from Asian culture. And, oh, great, yeah, you Asians can be in this as the villain. <laughs> oh. All
2: right, the director did address that, where he said, He made Dragon, where the Asians are the heroes. He didn't feel like Asians had to be typed, where you can't make them villains, or you have to make them villains. In this case, he was the right actor for the right part, so they decided, all right, let's make the villains Asian.
4: Well, no, understand what I'm saying. This culture, the primary... Oh, no, I understand what you're saying. And the director just decided to do colorblind casting. And again, in truth, they went with Paul Walker because... A handsome white guy is more marketable in American movies than an unknown Asian actor who's not doing martial arts.
3: Yeah, I've read the Sony leaks. (laughs) This is very calculated.
4: Yeah, I agree. It's just kind of unfortunate that this we're celebrating a culture that is coming from Asian culture, and they can only stand on the sidelines and fire guns. It just well. Also, keep in mind that while Asians were
2: definitely an influence on this, the documentary I watched that came with the Blu-ray, it was really. Ex-World War II army vets who went to California that started drag racing culture. Asians became a major part of that culture, but if you want to take it back to the start of drag racing it wasn't Asians it was Asians who really got into the pimp my ride you know Civic kind of racing
4: yeah and that's what I'm referring to that these are Japanese cars or they come from Asia the cars themselves like I said not sexy cars but have been turned into something that can compete with a Ferrari yeah I think that that is a credit I think that's the charm of this movie is that I had to rethink what I knew about a Honda Civic yeah I again I walked right out of this movie laughing at the The
2: fact that Honda Civics would race like this and then realizing, shit, you mean I could afford one of these (laughs) (laughs) for less than the price of publishing a book?
3: (laughs) Yeah, then you got to strip everything out of it. Speed bumps, watch out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, even the add-ons, here's the thing is the engines you can get for 10K. The paint jobs on some of these cars are another 10K. (laughs) But yeah, this whole bit here, I really do think that scene, it's an extension of the scene where they're having the picnic that would have dealt with them being a family would have helped quite a bit because really what we get for the next half an hour is almost a love triangle between Dom and Mia with Brian as the third point. Uh, You know, is Brian there for Dom? Is Brian there for Mia? Yeah, you know, it's not a romantic love triangle in that way, but... Yeah, bromance versus the romance. Which one is stronger here? Because... He really is bonding with Dom to the point that eventually Ted Levine points it out. Are you just trying to fool us or are you really fooling yourself that you don't think Dom is the criminal here? I think that Brian is so taken by this culture that he is truthfully attracted to Dom's lifestyle.
3: No, we're told that. I don't understand why he's taken by this culture. Like, Okay, obviously he's got to be into racing, because this isn't something you just learn how to do, like Keanu just learned how to surf in Point Break.
2: I think it is. We see the opening scene. He's learning to drag on that deserted track. I think that's police-approved training so he can go do this undercover gig.
3: And I just took that as he's trying to see how fast he can get his car up to, because he got to do the 10-second ride. I don't get a whole lot of background, so I don't know what I'm supposed to think about Brian. Is he falling in love with Dom? You you know what I mean, metaphorically and being swept up by his personality, or is this just part of the undercover role?
4: Well, the big difference between Fast and the Furious and Point Break is, in Point Break, there was a homoerotic subtext. There was a real question about whether Keanu did fall in love with Patrick Swayze. Here, they keep trying to normalize and heteroize that.
2: You saw a very different Point Break than I did, but I see the exact same kind of thing. It was the love of the surfing lifestyle
4: in there, a love of the racing lifestyle here. No! You're just completely ignoring Mia. Every time the cops talk about, are you so blind? They're talking about, are you so blind by your love of." mia now the reason you're ignoring it is because it's ridiculous there's no reason to believe that he would fall in love with this chick she's hot yeah that's enough that's enough to fall in love so that he's blinded by his career when you're a trained professional law enforcement yeah there's a fine line between love and lust in the
2: early parts of a relationship and she has some smarts for her. She's got some wit to her. I think she owns a restaurant. I mean, that's the...
3: No, no, she has a shack she makes tuna sandwiches in. I don't know if that's a restaurant.
2: Nobody can cut those crusts like her. It was cut. There was more of a subplot going on here where she was studying to be a doctor and Dom was actually stealing money to pay for her education <laughs> and really trying to get her out of the hood so she doesn't have to lead the kind of life he leads. they cut all of it apparently that was the right choice
4: why doesn't he go to medical school (laughs) then if he is so against his own lifestyle come on all of this pathos about that he killed someone he went up and no he didn't kill he just
2: assaulted there was never death he turned the man into i think
4: a janitor yeah (laughs) (laughs) he has to take the bus to work that's true okay yeah you know when they showed those photos though it looked like coroner photos but you're right he's just brain damaged the guy, but be that as it may. Again, every time they want to make Vin look cool, they have to, you know, no, he's only stealing VCRs. I mean, they just... I don't think it helps him here. I I was surprised that this was a PG-13 movie. I thought, for some reason, this franchise was R. Yeah,
2: they... It had an R rating initially for the gore, and they cut it down because they knew their audience, they needed to hit that younger demographic. This wouldn't work as an R-rated film. This wouldn't be a billion dollar franchise.
4: <laughs> as you could probably hear Stuart <laughs> in Stuart and myself's voice. Yeah, it wouldn't make the money it would. It might work better, though. Like I said, they seem to be really pulling punches on making Dom look as tough as you guys are claiming he does
3: come on when brian is snooping around he thinks hector might be buying gear pimping out these civics to rob the truckers vince pulls out the shotgun and i do love that moment like dom appears and he's like be very careful what you say there is menace there mm-hmm. from dom i really like that moment that
4: was a better scene I'll, I'll give you that you are worried for it because i kept thinking paul walker's dumb how will he get out of this situation <laughs> there's no way he can outthink his way here but- and, and i
3: he did not <laughs> now think of it that was a plot contrivance there that was a bad speech he gave to get out of it i'm doing recon work so we can win race wars
2: And I thought Race Wars was a real stupid name until I read that article.
3: Oh, are you telling me it's real?
2: Yeah, it is real where racers now, because of all the cops, actually rent out tracks and have, they call it Race Wars, where drag racers come in and they race just off the streets for big money instead of on the streets for big money. And yeah, Race Wars is what they call it.
4: it. Is the point that they're also working out their racial differences here? Because they make it, you know, like every time we see a driver, there's an Asian, there's Ja Rule, there's the Rasta guy, I mean... Hector. Yeah, yeah, Hector, exactly. They seem to want to say that this is a cultural melting pot. By racing cars, they're not shooting each other in gang violence.
2: And from everything I read and everything I saw in the bonus features, that's a reflection of reality. You take away the cars and you put these same kinds of people, the same types of people, and you would end up with violence, murders, you know, but you put them in this. They don't care about any of that. The racism is gone. It's all about how well you drive and what you drive.
4: That would have made a great movie. Yeah, I agree. Why couldn't we have that movie? That's the same thing as a sports movie or a dance movie or whatever. Why couldn't this just be a cheesy formula about a guy on the outside who ends up in East L.A. and has to prove himself as a driver and never thought he could, but gets the girl and gets the respect?
2: you guys are discounting what made this the billion dollar franchise is that it's more than races if this was just a sports movie where it instead of playing baseball they're now driving cars and it was just this straight up drama maybe you two would like it better it wouldn't be as kick-ass
4: a film
3: no no i'll tell you what i would have liked better not that this is a bad version of Point Break. Here's the biggest problem for me. There is a ticking clock. The reason Brian has to break this case is because truckers are getting ready to take war to the drag racers like you have just set up a better premise than anything i've seen that there are going to be truckers fighting drag racers and you're trying to stop that movie from happening
4: i didn't even catch that really that was a thing going on yes that's why in the big action scene
3: at the end the trucker has a shotgun because they're like they're arming themselves to go to war if they try to if anyone tries to rob them
4: okay i don't want that movie at all here <laughs> I, I mean i don't want any of these movies it should just as a reminder say, I'm out of my comfort zone here. I'm trying to find something I can compliment. What I compliment are the racing scenes. That stunt stuff is what's good here. This heist that you're saying is so awesome that got him all the money, that's where the green arrow flips. I am more or less on board with this movie, believe it or not, for two-thirds of it. As silly as it is, I see the appeal, but once we find out... That, you know, after being told there's no way that it's anyone but Dom, I'm thinking, okay, it's somebody other than Dom. It's got to be Vincent. It's got to be one of these supporting players here. There's no way they're going to make Vin Diesel look this stupid to show him (laughs) ripping off DVD players to get auto parts. He's the best driver there is. He should be winning the races and using that money to do whatever he wants.
2: But there's no drama in it. There's no tension in it. If it's Johnny Tran, because they've set up the bromance and the romance, he's now sleeping with Dom's sister and he's friends with Dom. It has to be Dom. Otherwise, the end is not going to have any resonance at
4: all it'll just be boring it'll be okay let's go get the bad guy now well how does this play into his backstory we have all of this i would say one of the worst scenes if not the worst scene in the movie is when vin diesel has to explain why he took a wrench to that guy and it was because (laughs) his father was a auto racer that got clipped and died and that scene used to be something i liked but now when he's sitting
2: there telling paul walker about watching his father die in a car accident Accident? It's really uncomfortable.
3: For me, as much as I've tried to compliment Vin Diesel throughout this film, this little monologue is bad. I watched my dad burn to death. Terrible. I remember hearing him scream. They said he died before the tanks blew. They said it was me screaming. You can't deliver that good in any way. Yeah, It's
4: just bad. It's very cheesy. It's very B-movie. And so I'm just swallowing it because I understand that this drama isn't really supposed to work as drama. It's just giving him... A moment where I think, oh, we're supposed to be sympathetic. We're supposed to understand why Paul Walker likes him and wants to defend him now. And so why did he go from avenging his dead father's murder to ripping off electronic trucks? I mean, that's petty. He's a petty thief. (laughs) You told me he was the best fucking driver in the world. And now he is a petty thief that spends. I mean, I don't know how much money it takes to get trank guns and harpoons and all of that. But it's (laughs) got to be more than those TVs are worth. (laughs) I do agree. I didn't see that as
2: a flaw in the film. I didn't think it through. But yes, I guess he probably makes... Maybe it's hard to make that much money just drag racing. I mean, you gotta think he's getting hundreds of thousands for these trucks versus, you know, 2,000 for a race.
3: No, no, not for trucks! (laughs) I guess you're talking about he's selling the whole truckload. Yeah, I I do want to know how he's unloading truckloads of DVD players. Maybe he's a big eBayer. We
2: meet the fence. The fence comes in later. He also stole Johnny Trans Engine. There's a
4: neighborhood fence that you take all your stuff to to sell.
3: Okay, that's who that guy was.
4: Yeah, it should have been drugs. This should have been a drug plot. To give him that edge that he needed to menace, we needed to believe that he was a drug kingpin and that his sister's whole concept that, oh, this is not a gang, this is a team, was a lie.
2: But you're turning him into a villain when he's supposed to be an anti-hero. We're supposed to know he's a bad guy, but also not want to see him in jail. You're not going to get that if he's dealing drugs to kids. You're not going to get that if he's a murderer. It's a tricky line. It is a tricky line to walk, and I understand that for you, they didn't walk it right. Yeah, it's the difference between green and red. But the correction you are proposing would be a difference between a green and red for a lot of people because you want to like Vin Diesel. You don't want to turn him into a villain. And so your corrections are... Overcorrecting for the issues you're
4: seeing well here's the thing i didn't know we needed to like vin diesel because we all know that this franchise is going to continue and that he's eventually going to pop back into this but if this were a standalone movie and this was the first time we were seeing it in 2001 yeah it could be played that he's just a bad guy that needs to be taken down and paul walker is going to have to kill him in the end but that's not how Point Break went, and they're ripping off Point Break. <laughs> yeah,
3: but they also don't wear dead president masks when they rip off these semis. Another problem with this film.
2: I think that they do a pretty decent balancing act with what they're trying to do. If you're trying to make him not irredeemable so that you can understand why brian's gonna let vin walk at the end of the movie then you don't have him be a drug dealer you don't have him be a murderer you have him be greedy you have him stealing from truckers and we don't really get that fleshed out and yes you have pointed that out and i cannot defend it it is a horrible flaw of the film that his crimes are pretty much unmotivated other than extreme sports for extreme sports sake then again i don't know that patrick swayze had a great Motivation in Point Break if that remake actually happens we'll have to revisit it
3: because he had to go to the best surfing he had to travel all over the world he I, to me i, I- it's all about the motivations for these criminals or these antiheroes. If you want to make us sympathetic, I need more than a speech about I just live my life ten seconds at a time. It's I, I want to know about this character if you want me to sympathize with them, even if he's breaking the law and this film doesn't make me care about Vin Diesel.
4: If it's gonna be a crime movie, you have to care about the crime. I'm cool with this as a racing movie, but they have not figured out this crime thing. This is if they didn't have the cars, you would be hating this movie. I think without the
2: surfing and the action, I wouldn't like Point Break either. I'm really curious to see if you guys can tell me that that's better if we review that film later. Because to me, you're dealing with the same thing. It's stealing for greed. It's stealing to more indulge in your lifestyle. And I don't need a motivation beyond greedy. And if I'm still going to like the person and this movie wants me to like Vin the way that movie wanted me to like Swayze. But you're right. The big high points of this film are not the talkie scenes. And that's kind of the complaint I have going from about the 30 minute mark to the hour 10 mark. There's no racing. It's rebuilding the car. This is the period after Johnny Tran has blown up Brian's car. And apparently there can't be a race without Brian. And it's going to take 40 minutes of this movie for him to get Mia in bed while building a new car.
4: What's crazy to me is that everything's building up to the big race wars at the end. And we think that that's where Brian is going to finally prove himself as a driver. You know, he brings them this beater car, and says with $15,000 investment, you can turn it into the winner. They never have that race.
3: Yeah, when were they going to have the race? Was it the next day after they did this last final heist and they were going to take a break? Like It seems like the race wars, them participating, was just a cover so they could go to Coachella and rip off a semi-truck. Like
4: What was their involvement? This has to be rewriting. I saw that other people are credited on this. This had to be, at some point, somebody radically changing it. There's no way you have a racing movie in which you tell someone that they've got to prove themselves on the track and then never give them their moment. That is baffling beyond belief. If
2: it was a rewrite, it was not something that Cohen discussed either in his commentary with the original DVD release as the movie was coming out new, or his second commentary released around the time of Fast Five. So... To them, it wasn't that big a deal. The thing should revolve around crime, at least the intent when they went in. It wasn't rewriting it during production. It was just script evolution, if that's the case. But here, what happens at race wars is tensions build with Johnny Tran, tensions build between Brian and Dom. And finally, the big thing, you know, the thing you don't see coming, the twist, is that Jesse's the one who sparks everything by losing a race and then going and just driving away, pissing off Johnny Tran more and leaving the crew one man down. Now, there were only three cars in this heist. So why they needed five people, including their mechanic, to pull it off? Why they're like all worried that they're one man down when that one wasn't even a good driver? And I don't see Jesse as the kind who is going to rope the (laughs) semi-truck and do that leap.
3: Oh, he was kind of like the engineer. He was told he should go to, like, ITT Tech or something by Brian. I, I don't know. Maybe he knew the right trajectory to shoot that harpoon.
4: <laughs> Have him listening to the police monitor. You, you give that other guy something to do. But the reason why we didn't see that coming, Arnie, is because it's incredibly stupid. Like,
3: there's- <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask. Did I miss something during all the talky parts here where, like, Jesse feels inferior for not racing a car, so he decides to put up his Jetta to race Tran? Like it, That seemed out of nowhere
4: From me. Out here. of way nowhere. Did, did John, yeah, and all right, so Johnny Tran beats him. That's not the end of the races. We still got to get him versus Dom. We still got to get him versus Brian. I mean, I just don't get why Race Wars doesn't matter if that's what we were building towards.
2: It could have been anything. It didn't need to be Race Wars. It could have just been another drag race that night.
4: They could have made more money at Race Wars. Did you see that? It's like a rave. They've got all this money and security and barbed wire fences. They'd make more money winning Race Wars than whatever was in that semi that they go after at Coachella.
2: You can't tell me they're going to make 100 Gs at race wars. Why
4: not? They made 10,000 off one street race.
3: Here is the bright point for me. When we get to Coachella, I don't understand why we've gotten to this point, but here we are. Maybe that opening heist scene didn't do much for me. I do love the stunt work here when Vince, he's trying to climb up the harpoon to get to the trucker, and the trucker pulls out the shotgun. He's dangling from that truck. I do like this little action scene. This is a good... 10 minutes of the film.
2: Oh, this is amazing. And here's the scariest freaking part. They actually had that actor on the side of a truck going 60 miles an hour.
4: Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah, it it looks that way. And I looked him up. He's not a stunt guy. He came from like the music world or something, which is why he's playing electric guitar at some point in the movie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when this movie was done, the stunt crew actually gave him an honorary membership into their team Because the director said, you need to be the one doing this, and they had safety gear, but man, that was really him for a lot of it. You can clearly tell it's not Paul Walker standing atop (laughs) a riding car. I mean, it looks nothing like him. All of a sudden, Paul Walker, your shoulders got broader and your neck got bigger. But no, that was really the actor playing Vince hanging off of there, and they did some amazing real car work here and this time you actually have the drivers in the cars as this is happening now they're not driving they're being towed at 60 miles an hour but still this is not green screen fakery
3: yeah it's competent editing so it looks like they're driving at these fast speeds it's I will compliment the film if this film was more like this 10 minutes here I'd be really into it
2: it's the climax of the film it should be the most exciting thing it is and I love that Letty is competent too you know Vin's tire gets shot Letty to the rescue, she's the one going under the freaking semi-truck. That's really kick-ass. I love, you know, earlier at Race Wars, when Johnny Tran starts fighting with Dom, Johnny Tran's henchman comes in, it's Letty that gets that punch in and takes him out. I, I love, in this case, the women are just as tough as the guys.
4: Yeah, but that's common. That's not, like, groundbreaking here. Name an action movie from the 90s or the 2000s that doesn't have this kind of female chick. This is stock stuff, Arnie. This is not incredible. This is exactly what I would expect to be in here.
2: Okay, Iron Man 1. Pepper Potts did shit. I mean, I can name a ton of movies that do not have female action stars in them. and And especially that don't make them as tough as the men here. And really, it looks like Letty might be the one to rescue Vince.
4: Well, I'm thinking of a certain style of movie like Underworld and Resident Evil and Gone in 60 Seconds. There's that B movie where you always have the tough chick. And I didn't find anything about the character's fascinating at all in this climax and again i'm perplexed that they are the crew that's been robbing them i'm perplexed that one guy with a shotgun has all of these quote fantastic drivers running afoul that they're not good enough to take down one semi to me this looks bad on them but the one thing i won't complain about this movie is the stunt work you're absolutely right this stuff is good it deserves a better scene
2: i do have to just ask though if i was a trucker getting robbed
4: Wouldn't you pull over? Right. They've never heard of (laughs) (laughs) brakes. I'm gonna call
3: BS right away. That earlier truckers didn't have guns. I got a friend who hitchhiked across the country. Every trucker carries a gun with them. Like the fact that this trucker just wasn't ready to, or any of these truckers weren't ready to go before tensions had been heightened, is unrealistic.
4: Realism is not what I'm going for. But yeah, this again, this is Small Fry Pickens here, and the fact that he's even a challenge makes these. Tough guys look less tough.
3: Yeah, except when the trucker decides to, like, take 10 minutes to reload and just let Vince dangle from his truck. It, th- there are things that are convenient here. If the stunt work wasn't so good, I'd be more annoyed. Hey,
2: he's driving at 80 miles an hour. Again, he should probably just slow down. But
4: <laughs> I, I'm amazed no one else is on the road. I've never seen so many empty freeways in all my driving of the Southern California land.
3: Yeah.
2: Well... This is where Brian has completely revealed himself by calling in the medevac for Vince. I don't know why he doesn't also call for a few squad cars to pick up Dom and his crew.
3: Well, I was confused. He's driving when he's trying to get to this heist with Mia. He tells her that he's a cop. He puts in a call. Was that just to trace the cell phone?
2: Yeah, to figure out where Dom was, they triangulate his cell phone signal, and Mia has to give the cell phone number.
3: Okay, I I thought they would have sent a whole squad there. I thought there was going to be truckers, drag racers, cops, but no, there's no cops there. That surprised me. But again... Vin Diesel when he is like hulking out when he finds out Brian's a cop I like that performance there I want to give this film credit when I can
4: Isn't that where the climax should happen I mean isn't this the moment to have the big battle that it almost seems ridiculous that we've got to take it back to his house and bring back Johnny Tran like leave Johnny Tran out of this
3: I don't understand that part at all If you're
4: not going to have race wars don't have Johnny Tran I mean that was the point of Johnny Tran was to race him at race wars i kind of like that johnny trans a third part in this and it allows the audience
2: what they want which is you (laughs) you which audience
4: not the one (laughs) in my house
2: not you guys but the audience that helped this film make 208 million okay they want to see i want to see brian and dom team up because this movie has succeeded on selling me in the racing lifestyle, I understand Brian's attraction to that lifestyle. We know Brian has a duty to take down Dom, but we also want to see the two of them now that it's honest together on one thing. And the one thing they can unite on before they have to fight each other is taking down the bigger evil, which is Johnny Tran.
4: I didn't know we wanted that. I, honestly, that's a shock that you're explaining that to me. It helps. I now get why the ending is what it is. I had no idea we were supposed to be rooting for Paul Walker and Vin Diesel to put aside everything and be friends at the end. That's
2: why I call this a love triangle is really by the end. You want to see Brian and Dom
4: consummate their relationship and race together. You don't want to see him fuck, you want to see him race. Okay, but after they finish racing, don't you want to see Vin Diesel in handcuffs? Maybe.
3: I don't even know what I want to happen between Brian and Dom. I just know I don't want Johnny Tran around. This, the, All of a sudden, there's a drive-by, Jesse's dead, they're off racing. I've already had a great climax. This chase doesn't do anything for me.
4: Why are they doing this? Why are they killing them when he won the car? It's twofold.
2: First of all, there's the fact that Jesse ran out without a car. But second, Dom disrespected Johnny Tran in front of all their friends at Race Wars. Oh, he please. knocked Johnny Tran down. It's
3: an honor thing. Okay. I totally missed that scene yeah. where he gets tripped.
4: Yeah. I, I, I saw him get pushed down in the dirt. And so the, the retaliation is... Uh, Drive-by shooting. Okay. <laughs> Keep
2: in mind, they already pulled out the automatic firearms and blew up a car that Dom owned. Yes.
4: Johnny Train is a ridiculous character, and I hate the way he's been ridden.
2: <laughs> I do like this chase, though, where they've introduced the motorcycles. They're on the hills. Dom brings out that charger. And you may not have liked the scene where he was discussing the father's death but i like the fact that he never drove the charger he was afraid of the charger he was afraid of what he could do in the charger it was the car that killed his father that he's getting behind that wheel i'm more into this movie than you guys quite fucking obviously but it meant something to me to see him going after johnny tran to avenge this jesse who was his surrogate son In this race, he'd seen his father die in this car. Now he, the father figure, is going to avenge the son.
4: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool that they built up to a cool car. Like, yeah, basically, if it was just any old car that Vin Diesel was climbing into, it wouldn't have... Well, there I say the same impact. This didn't have much impact on me. But but yeah, it means something more that they built this car up as having a bad legacy and meaning something to that character. I am wondering where they found these hills of L.A. where they're <laughs> flying in the air. I'm like, I have never seen a hill driving anywhere here in the Southland.
3: It looks like the Silver Lake area to me, just by Hollywood. That has got hills there. I don't know where else it would be, though.
2: Yeah, the director said this was filmed in Silver Lake silver lake
4: okay
3: yeah it's no san francisco like in bullet with steve mcqueen yeah That, that this is all la's got
4: yeah That that yeah exactly they're making you forget that you're in los angeles here this but whatever that's again i don't need realism i just need a good car chase this is a pretty good car chase except when they get that weird slowdown moment racing the train or whatever i i wasn't cool with those visual effects
2: Okay, that's a different race after they take out Johnny Tran. And I like the emotion there where Dom is going to run. He's already said he'd rather die than go back. He did two years for assault. He'd rather die than go back to prison. And he's going to do more than two years for stealing all these trucks and tasering the truckers. And it's got to come down to a race. And the question is, can Brian beat him? And it's just a quarter mile race. And yeah, there's some cheesy dialogue. This is where I used to race as a kid. It's exactly a quarter mile to those tracks. Yeah, okay, whatever. We want to see them race. This is what the whole movie's been about. At the end of Rocky, you get a... Fist fight at the end of this, you get a race.
3: I get it. Yeah, we want this race. It just seems to have been such a convoluted path that no way it could take 10 seconds to get there to get to this point. It, it's th- this is going through traffic and off ramps and on ramps to get here. I, I wish this felt more natural or I just cared more at this point. Now it's just like I've seen drive bys, we are gone after the Asian triad. Now we're going to race for some reason.
4: I agree with you. Conceptually, if it were these two. Th- to we'd want to see them in a final showdown i don't know why this isn't at race wars again i will make the advocation it would have been enough to have a cool race in the organized race competition they were enrolled in
2: but then you couldn't have had a train and a (laughs) semi-truck
4: You're right. They couldn't have had that, and they would have had to make choices. Ones that it sounds like you wouldn't have liked, but I would have definitely preferred.
2: You didn't like the train. I saw nothing wrong with the visual effects. I didn't even realize that was a fucking composite shot until I went to the visual effects library of how they did it. When I see that train coming, my heart is starting to stop. I'm like, I'm worried for the stunt drivers. I don't care about Brian and Dom. I'm like, oh my god, that's a crazy
4: stunt. I didn't even realize that was a composite shot. No, 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 whatever. i'm talking about is when they're looking at each other and going there's like some kind of fog filter on
2: okay yeah that's that is a little cheesy but the train looks great
4: yeah no yeah i'm not i'm again i i didn't realize that was a fake train i don't have a problem when we're seeing cars move across the road ever and then when the charger hits that truck, I remember the
2: first time I saw that. Cause the train, you're like, Oh my God. Is he going to get hit by a train? Oh my God. Is he going to get hit by a train? And the movie fools you. You get that beat and they look at each other. It's almost like da, 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 da. And then boom, Dom hits a truck cause he takes his eyes off the road that, and the flip, the carnage is
3: great. Great. I felt bad for the car. That was a cool car. (laughs) It really was a cool car. Hate to see it go to waste like that. (laughs) Great. I
4: Yeah, it was okay. I mean, yeah, I agree. It was what they needed to do. That We've seen that many times in action movies. Oh, we did it. Oh, and something else takes them out. What I really thought was this was about the apprehension of a criminal. A stupid criminal, but I really (laughs) thought that yes, Dom was going to jail and that Paul Walker really wanted a promotion. Now, I know they had this running joke about him owing him a 10-second car. I like that they bring that back as a writing device at the end, but I do not understand why he would do that.
3: Because they're in love.
4: (laughs) Mia is going to be so jealous. Or mutual respect, whatever you want to say. Yeah,
3: I agree, though. It doesn't feel earned. I just don't feel like we have earned this moment. Not at all. I've, I've I agree. I'm, <laughs> <yay>! Thank you.
2: <laughs> I can't say that. I mean, on the one hand, completely emotionally, I get it they are family now you know and you let your brother escape versus taking him in this gets down to brother versus brother and he lets him go but how that happens in the span of time between when they're chasing johnny tran and now is is it that he feels bad for jesse and then paul walker he just walks away in the credits roll i mean there's no resolution
3: couldn't believe that Cops aren't asking him, hey, where did Dom go? Like, yeah, there's no questions asked. Just end.
2: Now, there was a scene that Universal made Cohen film, and it was included only on the Blu-ray. It was the ending they wanted. It actually has Ted Levine dropping off Brian, who has quit the force. It was quit or be fired. So he quit the force, going and reuniting with Mia, and they're still in love, and they kiss, and credits roll.
3: I really feel like charges should be pressed against him. You don't get just get to quit the force.
4: <laughs> yeah, aiding and abetting means nothing, I guess, at that level. But, you know, how cute that they think that we care whether Mia and Brian get together. I mean, yeah, who my cared about God, that. There's, there's a race nobody had anything invested in winning.
2: Yeah, all the test audiences hated that. So they went with the ending that Cohen wanted, which was this. Dom drives off into the sunset. And Brian walks to an unknown future, and we will find out what happens to him in, uh, if you bought the Blu-ray, there's actually a short movie that w- tells what happens to Brian between Fast and Furious 1 and 2, and I'll talk about that next week on the show. But Fast and Furious 2,
4: it's Brian's song.
3: Well, yeah, Dom, I don't know. He's just chilling in Baja, Mexico now, living life 10 seconds at a time.
4: Yeah, there's a little extra. If you made it through credits, I actually did sit through every second of this movie. uh, I
3: I didn't plan to, but they kept showing these images. I'm like, I wonder if these are building up to something. Nick
2: Fury's going to come and recruit Dom.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, there is that scene of vin at the end
4: he gets away so we know that he will return at some point i didn't i don't think i realized he wasn't in next week's movie but i know that the cast revolves and so yeah okay that's fine i am completely fine with vin diesel not returning next week keep in
2: mind when they made this they thought they were making one film universal didn't pay them much attention it was a 38 million dollar movie they basically said do whatever you want Then the intent was Vin and Paul Walker would both return for part two. And then it looked like Vin would never return to the franchise. So this might have been the last we'd see of Dom quite literally driving into the sunset. But let's race to our own finish here because I know the answer to this. But Jacob Stewart, why don't you recommend The Fast and the Furious? Jacob?
3: It's just unfortunate that they tried to sell this film as one of my favorite films, Point Break. I mean, Paul Walker, you are no 90s era Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Whoever plays Mia, you're no Lori Petty.
2: Oh, that's a, like <laughs> Jordana Brewster's much hotter than Lori Petty.
3: <laughs> I'll give you that, but come on. Vin, there's moments I like him, but he's no Patrick Swayze. Ted Levine, <laughs> I, I, I'll I, put him up there with Gary Busey. I'll, I'll give him that. He's better than <laughs> Gary Busey is now. Well, that's, yeah, who isn't though? <laughs> But here's the problem. I'm just missing so much, I guess, character work (laughs) here. And I get it. It's a B film. But I want to feel like I know what these characters want and what their motivations are. Yeah, there's some cool stunts, but there's not enough cool stunts to push all the other stuff that's important in storytelling to the side. For me, really, that climax scene with the vents hanging from the truck. That's a great moment. Unfortunately, that's only about 10 minutes of this film. The rest, I'm confused and asking a lot of whys and I'm not having a lot of fun. I'm laughing at a lot of the lines these actors are being paid to say, but I'm not having a good time. It's, It's not awful. I could see... A good film in here that I would enjoy, a good B movie, but this isn't that film. So it's just a mild not recommend for me.
2: Hey, I'm at least just glad I'm not the only one who's used the word great to describe at least part of this film. (laughs) Because Stuart keeps
3: calling me out.
2: Great! Great! So so when you said great, I'm surprised Stuart didn't interrupt.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I I try to give this film credit where it earns it. Stuart. Stuart. Yeah, you know, I set the bar really low, and they couldn't jump it. All I asked was that they have cool stunts, and they did. And that they did something with them that looked like a story, and... The real failing here is that they didn't trust the reality that this was based in. They came up with some half-baked heist thing that's too clowny to look cool. Don't give Vin Diesel ripping off VCRs and DVD players that's just not worthy of a movie villain or antihero. That makes him look stupid. That you wonder why you would waste so much gas on such a dumb plot. It's just mind-boggling to me that they had this plot in here. And so I think, yeah, this franchise could get better if they ever got a better heist... They could get this formula right. But no, for this first entry, it is a mild not recommend. I didn't hate it either, believe it or not. For two-thirds of this, I was going to give it a pass and give it a green arrow. But I'm sorry. Once they threw their hands up in defeat and walked away from Race Wars and said, Oh yeah, Vin and them all did it. Uh, there's no mystery. There was nothing left for me to enjoy here. It's it's a stupid movie, but more importantly, it's just not a very satisfying movie. And so we not recommend.
2: I feel that in my defense of this film, I may have been like Brian. I may have gone native. Uh, Seeing you two not having much fun with this may have made me more enamored with this film on this podcast than I actually feel. The film has its flaws. Some I completely recognized, like several of the performances and the 40-minute dramatic scenes of bonding between races from the time Paul Walker's car gets blown up to the time that they show up at Race Wars and are ready to drag again. And then, of course, as you guys pointed out, yeah... What are they doing with these VHS TVs and DVD players? <laughs> I
4: want to see that scene where he's on the corner being like,
2: buy it. I've watched like thirty <laughs> minutes of extra footage and none of it has to do with You that. can
4: rewind, you can skip over. I hear we're gonna get a TiVo next oh, week. Shit.
3: <laughs> I want that scene, man. I want you to
4: write that scene. I want you to act it out. Everything It would be
2: even funnier than Vin Diesel's breakdancing video that's out on YouTube. But there's still something in this movie that adrenalizes me. And this movie came out in 2001. It pushed me into my early midlife crisis. Because when this movie came out, I drove a Ford Explorer. Within two years, I got the best, coolest car I could afford, which was a Chrysler convertible. I put two 12-inch subs in the back. I did have some ground effects. And uh, I drove a little bit. I, I got my share of speeding tickets. It This movie makes me feel like racing this movie makes me feel like driving fast not too proud of this but i was listening to bonus features while driving in my mustang and i may have broken 100 miles an hour just because of the bonus features in the techno soundtrack just in the past few weeks
4: (laughs) so what you're saying is this is a deadly weapon and that p (laughs) that psa didn't go far enough to stopping people that this is a, a temptation you should not watch this film or you may drive recklessly i think that's what arnie just said i
3: i actually legitimately did have that worry that like oh man how many deaths resulted from like people seeing this and going yeah let's drag because that is actually very deadly and not safe at all
4: but yet it's fun yeah well whoo I, I wish the movie was as fun as the way you described it, but uh, you know, maybe if it was ten seconds, if I were like Ben, if the, for ten <laughs> seconds of this, it is fun. But <laughs> I did we see the same movie again? I wonder <laughs> if it did not have this racing in it. If you had to look at this plot and these characters without that adrenalized, then it's
2: left with Point Break. And here's the thing: if you took away that heist plot. I wouldn't like this movie. There's a lot of movies about people driving fast that don't enamor me the way this one does. And it's just because of it being point break and I don't like surfing and I've never and have no ever desire to jump out of an airplane, which is what point break is. That movie works for me though, because of that plot that made me go, okay, it's ripping off point break. And yes, Jacob, I I shared some kinship with you in 2001. I walked out of the theater driving really fast. I drove away in the theater in my Explorer going, (laughs) they ripped off point break, but it was fun. (laughs) And now, so many years later, Point Break is over 25 years old. This movie's almost 15 years old. And I'm like, you know what? They ripped it off, but they did it well. And it's not a great film. It's not a strong recommend. But yeah, I can easily recommend this as just a fun flick that... I like the soundtrack. I think that goes a long way. I honestly believe your taste in music goes a long way to your appreciation of this film. Oof. Ugh. No, come on. Limp Biscuit. What about Limp Bizkit? I know tens of thousands of Limp Bizkit fans.
4: Not currently. Maybe in 2001. Yeah, no, I, I to each their own. I, all I can say is that it makes my earbuds recoil.
2: Well, this movie did enough for me in 2001 that even without Vin... I went and I crossed my fingers. I had a really bad feeling about this and half my friends who went with me to the first one were like, no way. But the rest of us went to Too Fast, Too Furious in theaters based off of the lift this first film gave us.
4: I will say this might be the only opportunity we have to talk about John Singleton, so I'm kind of excited about seeing it for that reason alone.
2: you saying we're going to give the director the shaft?
4: (laughs) I'm going to say that the car tragedies don't end with Paul Walker. We'll find out next week.
2: We certainly will. And in the meantime, don't forget, head to our homepage, click the banner to go to our Kickstarter page, help get a hundred more reviews from us this year, plus hear more of our podcast from the vault or join us on a podcast or pick a movie for us to review so many options there to reward you if we hit our goals and we have another reward actually two of them we are doing two bonus podcasts during this kickstarter campaign the first one will be out this friday not going to tell you what film it is but then next friday we're doing a movie That you pick. We have a poll open right now at nowplayingpodcast.com for which underrated horror movie you'd like us to review. Our book is Underrated Movies We Recommend. We want to know which underrated horror movie you recommend we review. So if you go to nowplayingpodcast.com, you'll see a link under the show description that says Vote Now in our online poll. And you can choose which of these movies we review next week. The options are Baba Duke, Shocker, Wes Craven's film, Sinister, They Live, or The Usual Suspects. Voting ends this Friday night, so go vote now, and then next week you'll have that bonus review. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with our review of Too Fast, Too Furious, because that's how we roll.
0: Your friends father we give thanks for all the choices we've made because that's what makes us who we are let us forever cherish the loved ones we've lost along the way and most of all thank you for fast cars
1: thank you for listening to this episode of now playing and we hope you've enjoyed the show
0: you tell your boss exactly who did this tell him there's more coming
1: Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another Fast and Furious movie review. You gotta get out of here. I ain't running anymore. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find more movie reviews, including Pitch Black, Rambo, RoboCop, The Avengers, and hundreds more. You say what? This just went from Mission Impossible to Mission and Freaking Sanity. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss this review with other listeners.
0: You're in. There's always room for family.
1: You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews.
0: I like a whole lot of vaginal activity to
1: me. Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. I'm nice See exclusive videos and interviews on the Now Playing Podcast YouTube channel. You can find the link on our homepage.
0: I'll see you soon, Toronto. Good Your pockets ain't nervous. Ours empty. We hungry.
1: Now Playing is an independent podcast with no sponsors or ads. It's donations from listeners like you that keep Now Playing on the air.
0: You got the best crew in the world standing right in front of you. Give them a reason to stay.
1: You can give money by clicking the support link at the top of nowplayingpodcast.com. You don't realize how much you appreciate something until somebody takes it away. Everybody take a real good look. This is what you call mutual respect. Oh. All right, let's clear out. Anybody down for some Now Playing's Fast and Furious series is edited by Heath, Casper, and Arnie. Let's put all this mess back together. That's going to take a while. Then you better get started. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Why me? Because you got the biggest mouth.
0: That's for damn sure.
1: Now Playing is not affiliated with Universal Pictures or the makers or distributors of these films. The film discussed in this podcast is the intellectual property of its copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. You see,
0: I got a problem with authority.
1: The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated.
0: Just because you know how I ride doesn't mean you know me. Show me how you drive, I'll show you who you are.
1: Now playing as a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2015. All rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media, Incorporated.
0: Money will come and go, we know that. The most important thing in life will always be the people in this room. Right here, right now. Salute me, familia.
2: Today, because Stuart absolutely demanded it, (laughs) we're discussing The Fast and the Furious. There's a few reasons I've been championing this. Give me one quick sec to pull up a stat. (laughs) To think of them. (laughs) I actually tried to get point blank. Blank? (laughs) I actually tried to get point break.
3: For me, as much as I've tried to compliment Vince Diesel, this is just... This is bad. Vin Diesel, not Vince. Vin, Vin. Yeah, sorry. As much as I try to... I do love the stunt work here when Vince, he's trying to Vin, climb up on that. Tru- Vin or Vin. Vin or no, 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 do- no. Oh, no.
2: Oh, Vince. Yeah, yeah.
3: Okay. You're <laughs> this action- time I'm actually talking time. about Vince. <laughs> <laughs> the character.
2: <laughs> Sorry, man. <Uh-oh>. My bad. <laughs> no problem. Eventually gets down to brother versus brother, like Johnny dangerously. But I had to throw that reference in. It's just what I do. <laughs> Why don't you recommend The Fast and the Furious?
3: Jacob? Uh, Whoa. Hello? Yep. (laughs) You all right? Yep, I'm fine. Oh, that was you, Stuart. I I thought thought that was was you
2: falling out of your chair, Jacob.
3: (laughs) 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 Oh. Oh. All right.
2: And it's just because of it being point break and I don't like surfing and I've never and have no ever desire to jump out of an airplane, which is what point break is. That movie works for me though, because of
3: what, what about shoot flea in the foot? It's got that too. It's got everything.
2: I, I'd actually just, you know, I worship flea. No, I couldn't shoot him.
4: <laughs> After that last chili peppers album, I do it.
2: <laughs> and, no, I still like them. <laughs> Maybe Kedis, but never flea. Oh, <sighs> my <sighs>